The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you and as always for the next 30 minutes, a frank, honest, open conversation about addiction, mental health, and uh, those uh, people like me who are compulsive gamblers. Uh, joining us, as always, from Epic Risk Management is Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Craig. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks so much. And happy to have Derek with us today. Derek, uh, welcome to the program, and thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Craig. It's an honor to be on. Thanks. Uh, let me ask, where in the country are you right now? <laughs> I'm in Ringo's, New Jersey. Got it. All right, great. So... I know you uh, have an, you had or have a number of uh, issues in your life, gambling being one of them and, and drug addiction being the other. Uh, so let's focus for a minute on the gambling. Do you remember the moment in life when you first were exposed to gambling? Um, it was probably going to AC. Um, I used to love playing roulette a lot uh, and since I had an addiction to Adderall, which I'll, I'll talk about, um, as well as opioids, um, I would often go to Atlantic City by myself. My wife would let me get a room by myself, and I would purposely take a lot of Adderall and, and wait until, you know, 3 a.m. when the tables got cleared, kind of. And I would go down, and I would – I felt almost like – and I feel like this kind of connects to your story to somewhat – I felt almost like I knew what was coming. Right. Like I, I would go to a table and I'd say, I know black's coming next. You know, um, I'm going to put it on these certain numbers. Um, and that was probably my first exposure to it. And I, I got a huge rush from doing that. Sure. Well, listen, I, I, I felt the same way. There are moments uh, where I could have told you the exact card and suit that was coming out of the shoe next. And right, right. invariably, and this is a weird thing, I was right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that just fed, fed you know, my ego and fed you know, my desire to gamble more because I was just so damn good at it. You know, I could tell you the exact card that was coming out. Let me back up your story for a second because I think it's important. Because you used uh, drugs uh, and then gambled. And I'm just wondering in your, in your life story, did the drug addiction come first or were they always connected where... Adderall gambling, you know, drugs gambling, or they at any point in your life kind of independent of one another? Yeah, no, they were definitely independent of one another. Um, when I was 17, a senior in high school, I had a 4.1 GPA. I was 15th in my class. Um, I had dreams of going to UNC, of Arizona State. Um, and I started smoking pot a lot senior year, um, and I got kind of unmotivated and wound up just going to local schools because right. um, I was safe and I, I roomed with my best friend from high school. Um, and then I wound up finding someone who sold Adderall, and I fell in love with it. Uh, and because it obviously, you know, does have its advantages for people that actually have ADD, but you know, someone like me that does not, that just can lie to a doctor and say, "Hey, I can't pay attention." Right. Um, and get a prescription. I had a prescription. I bought it. I, I mean, I was taking 100 milligrams a day, probably of it, which is quite a bit. And what just uh, so just for people that don't know, what's like a normal amount if properly uh, prescribed by a doctor? 10 to 20 milligrams. So you're taking five to 10 times a daily dose, and obviously you're not using it for the purposes that the drug was made for. Correct. And I also am a musician, so I. 
I felt like along with gambling, I felt like it made me like a superhero to some degree. I could, I could write songs faster. I could play guitar faster. I could, I was more creative because that mixed with the pot mixed with the opioids, which I started around 25 and I started with opioids. I mean, I started spending about $2,000 a month on opioids. Wow. Um, so, and so what did you do? You, you doctor shopped to get the scripts or you had a guy in the street getting it for you? If you don't mind me asking. No, I don't mind, Jason. The, the Adderall was a script, and, and then, you know, I knew people that sold it as well. Got it. Um, and then the opioids was, was on the street. Yeah, it was, I had a guy that – it was a very rare situation. I'm 38 years old right now, right? So it, I went to rehab when I was 36. That was the first time I ever went. So it was about 19 years or 18 years of – and I'm not saying all, you know, every month for 18 years, but pretty much for 18 years, the same gentleman was able to get 100 – you know, pills a month, and I would basically was one of two people that, that bought them. And, right. um, you know, it, it just, huh. he never, the jail, he didn't take them himself. He, like, a lot of times things happen, you know, like maybe I would have gotten arrested or, you know, my wife would have left me or, you know, something would happen that would, that would maybe stop this process. And in my case, you know, obviously things did occur. Um, you know, I got into accidents where I hit mailboxes, where I fell asleep mm. on the wheel, and nothing ever woke me up. Uh, as much as it should. Well, let um, me stop yeah. you there. I want to bring Dan in for a second. You know, Dan, we focus this show so much on you know, gambling addiction exclusively, and I'm just wondering as I'm listening to Derek tell the story, is it more commonplace or less commonplace that a compulsive gambler also has an addiction to booze or alcohol? Yeah, great question. And, you know, it's so important, you know, in May for Mental Health Awareness Month that we, we do connect the dots, Craig, because as Derek's sharing here, you know, we do see connected behaviors and connections with substance use. One of the uh, some of the recent studies are starting to show an increase in people who gamble also partaking in marijuana or cannabis use. And one of the problems with, with marijuana use is that it, it results in the inability to balance your reward and punishment system. So now all of a sudden, you're almost becoming disconnected from the effects of the gambling. So you're smoking marijuana, you're taking cannabis, it's putting this body in a different state where you're unable to kind of make proper judgment, uh, make proper decisions. And that's where the gambling for some people can really take off. But we also find the connection with alcohol use disorder and gambling. Right, right. We find the connection with cocaine. You know, and we also find with marijuana, what Derek said, though, with, with the opioids, I don't know how much studies have been, how many studies have been done with active opioid use and gambling, but I know those other three are really high on the list. Yeah, I'm just trying to think back. I drank more than anything, I guess, when I, yeah. when I played blackjack. But, you know, there's a story I've told before, so I don't mind repeating it. You know, there was a night when I had a couple edibles and was drinking and smoking and, you know, you name it, and I fell asleep at a blackjack table mid-hand. And I don't know how long I was out. I'm sure it wasn't all that long. And I kind of woke up and came to, and I said, hit. And it was just, you know, looking back at it, just so stupid that I put myself in that spot. So, Derek, I guess I'm wondering, you know, for a long, you know, at least half your life, or it seems like half your life, you know, you were, uh, you know, popping pills, had an addiction to opioids and Adderall and things like that became a compulsive gambler, and as I'm listening to that, my mind now goes to a place where I have to ask the question, that lends itself to a rock-bottom moment, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Um, what well, was my, it? My, ther- my therapist tells me that he 
he's told me before he's my pain threshold he's worried is you know too high um and obviously that was in the past that, that he told me that because i've had moments where like when we bought our house my wife made me promise to stop over here that didn't do it um then we had a son five years ago didn't stop uh then Wait, so th- I let's talk to- i don't want to gloss over that your wife's aware that you're abusing opioids and said honey what's going on hey you gotta stop hey you gotta get help how, how did that go yeah i mean i was a great liar um sure and i didn't know i was you know i i it's yeah. almost just subconscious you know just i would probably convince myself that i that i you know was going to stop but i got on suboxone for a while which is supposed to but basically, all that did was if I couldn't have money for opioids, I would just take Suboxone. And then when I got money, I would then stop taking Suboxone and take opioids. And so my my rock bottom moment, I'd say, came more recently. So so I went to rehab. I, I had an intervention, a surprise intervention with my family and friends and my wife and because she, she just knew that I wouldn't stop. And myself. I assume the intervention was more about the drugs than the gambling, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, gambling was definitely part of it. And I could, you know, I have another part of gambling that... I still, you know, struggle with sometimes with sure. survivor pools. Um, but um, the, so I had an intervention and I went to rehab and it was, you know, most people don't go to rehab for the first time at 36. Um, a lot of people were there for heroin, which is something that I didn't, I've, I've never taken. And so I kind of felt like, oh, I don't need to be here. You know, like I'm not, I don't have this problem. Um, and I actually AMA'd the, you know, I left the first day of detox and, um, Right. My intervention guy, because my family said they would call the cops, he went and got me at a quick check, uh, like a mile away, hmm. and convinced me to go back. And um, so I completed the program, and I met a lot of friends in there because you 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 share, you live with them, you share very personal, intimate stories, and you're all going through the same thing. Right. Um, and you know, I met guys and girls, and, and we had a group text um, that we shared after rehab, and and we there there was one guy and a couple girls in there that we joked around about them taking heroin, you know, like, yeah, sure. Like, why don't you go buy a bag uh, from Kensington? You know, just really just terrible, you know, decisions, obviously not thinking straight. And, um, my friend Alex died, uh, from heroin overdose, uh, like that a couple months later. And then one of the girls in the group text actually wrote, if, uh, I just did four lines. Um, I didn't realize how much was in a bag. If you don't hear from me again, I'm going, I'm either dead or, you know, at the hospital. Wow. Um, wow. And this was actually last July. And uh, I felt very, and she died because um, I, I didn't see the text. And and um, and then I saw her obituary, you know, and I felt very responsible. And um, I actually ended up starting taking methadone because I wanted to numb myself of the pain of, of everything that I had done. And um, so I took methadone for eight months uh, and then just... I don't know, you know, maybe something happens one day. I really believe this. I know, you know, AA and the 12 steps, super powerful, super helpful. But I think it all comes down to you having to want to stop yourself. Like, you have to want to do it. And, um, you know, a couple months ago, I just kind of, it just kind of came to me that, you know, um, after, you know, other accidents and things like that, that, like, you know, this needs to stop. I mean, I have so a five-year-old son. You woke up one day. Can't explain exactly why and said, all right, I'm done living this way. You just decided it, yeah? I just kind of got sick of it, yeah. I mean, you know how, yep. I mean, I'm sure you've heard from drug guys that, like, you know, they're fun, drugs are fun. And no, I, can't, I, 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 fun. I lived it. I lived it. I, and I, I've told Dan many times on this show, I wish I knew why. I woke up yeah. one day after, you know, June 22nd, uh, four years ago, 
walked out of a casino and just said, I'm done. I yeah. can't, I'm not doing it anymore. And obviously, I wish I'd said that, you know, six months earlier, a year earlier, whatever the case may be. But for whatever the reason is, grace of God, perhaps, I just said that day I'm done and haven't gambled since. And I can't right. tell you why it's stuck. I really don't know. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it was for me. And, and once you get sober, you start to – it's amazing how quickly your morals and, and, and your realization comes back. And I'm somebody that – you know, because I listened to the show last week and it was great. And uh, the gentleman, I felt terrible for him about his father. Um, but I try to look – I have to stay positive and, and look at the look forward because otherwise if I dwelled on all these things that I've done to my family and, sure. and you know, the, the people that died that I – was very close to that, you know, hurts me still to this day. I can't listen to certain songs because they remind me of them. Um, you know, it, it would it would be bad. You know, well, I think I would go back down that path. But. Well, let me stop you there because that's an important uh, moment to, to, to talk about with Dan as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll continue right after this. Hello, my name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig, as always, with Epic Risk Management, our pal Danny Trillaro, and a kind enough to share his story with us today is Derek from New Jersey as well. You know, Derek, you know, we left at a pivotal yeah. point, and that is you lost close friends to, you know, overdose. Um, you decided it's time to, you know... To get the help you need, you went to rehab and all that. And I'm just wondering, because mental health is such a big part of this, was it ever in your life, a moment in your life, going through the heartache and the loss that you've endured, where you contemplated not waking up the next day? Um, I think the methadone probably stopped that. Okay. Because uh, it literally made me very numb. But yes, there would have been. I mean, for sure. Like you, um, can, you can, I, imagine, you can see that. Yeah, I'm somebody that doesn't really believe in, in, in you know, ending your life. Like, because there's so much to live for. And, and, and luckily, see, I'm lucky because, I mean, there's, I didn't grow up with money or anything, but I know there's a lot of people out there that don't have a wife now because of, you know, what they've done and don't have their son and don't have their house. And, and I still have those things and have a second chance. So, I think those are the things that kind of made me say, like, wow, you know, like, yeah. your life is good, dude. Like, you, you need to you need to embrace this. And, you know, maybe your days aren't going to be, you know, one out of ten. Maybe they're not going to be 13s anymore. Right. But you're not going to have the twos. You know, you're going to have sevens. You're going to have, you know, and that's yeah. that's how it's been. Um, and, I'm, and I've found sober joys in, in cars and um, my music again. Um, sure. And, and, you know, listening, I, I love listening to finding new music. and um, So you know. basically, in a weird way, and I don't want to minimize it, so please, if I am, stop me. In a weird way, you have found life's joys without drugs or gambling and maybe didn't realize when you were a little bit younger that that was possible. Is that a fair, you know, estimation on my part? That's absolutely accurate. I mean, it's a little bit of Rip Van Winkle syndrome. It, I... You, it's it's tough because you wake up and you're like, what the, you know, oh my yeah. god, what, like what what have I been doing? You know, I I don't even remember my twenties. Um, sure. You know, I I there's friends that I love dearly that, you know, I kind of reach out to now that like my and they say this in rehab, my brain is still kind of nineteen. You know, so it's as if I almost talked to them recently. So I know I reached out to one of my you know friends when I was younger. He was a really good friend when I was younger and 
talked to them and, and they were kind of like, you know, please don't reach out to me again. And, and you know, that, that hurts, you know, um, because, because of what you did, you know, like through time uh, to ruin that relationship. But well, I think, and Dan, I think that's an important part of this. You know, we talk a lot about how it is possible to overcome addiction. It is possible to overcome the demons that lead you to addiction. But just because you wake up one day and you're going to live your life in a clean, honest manner doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, mountains put in your way and real life still takes place. I mean, and that's, I think that should yeah. be part of the message here, too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we, yes, it's great that now all three of us are on a journey of recovery, and it's an individual journey, but we've also left some damage in our in our wake, right? Along our path and along our previous journey of life with things that we don't remember, things that we wish we could redo, we can't expect people to, to all be happy for us all the time. Um, and that's an important thing, and that's that's where you really start to embrace recovery. I know that, that mattered for me. I, I I had to really learn that I can't control what other people think of me. I can only just continue to do the next right thing. And that's important. Otherwise, you go crazy trying to live in the past. Derek, you said before, like, you know, you can't keep thinking about the past and all you've done because that will change your mindset and take it from a positive to a negative. But, you know, you also said something about the music, Derek. Uh, You said that there were certain songs that were hard for you to listen to, yet music is so critical and crucial in your recovery, it seems. Can you talk about how you've kind of transitioned that thinking and made it a positive again? Yeah, I mean, my own music, uh, the Face Corporation. Uh, they, they, I, I can listen to that, and and even though you know the people in rehab really liked my music, I, I try to just think about it as look, like, think of them and think maybe they're looking down, and and you know, I I feel like I have a second chance, and I wanna I wanna make sure that I send the message on this podcast that like if I can do it, anybody can do it, and because I mean I spent so much time being selfish and. And, and abusing these things. And I still feel like even when, although I'm almost 40 years old, that there's so much I can do in this world. Um, like I, I want to go out and talk to people in detox and rehab. And because I've experienced everything, I've experienced death, I've experienced relapse I've, and, and the ways to cope with it. I mean, just for me is music almost make, gives me like certain songs, give me like almost superhero-ish, you know, uh, feeling, you know, you, you dance around to it a little bit. you, you Sober you is is a great thing. It's it it gives it makes you not have that weight on you. It makes you feel like you know you're a good person again. Um, it's important to love yourself, and I think the most important thing, honestly, is telling people like that. That was my problem. Like I grew up in a house that, you know, since I was going home, my sister was you know a great student, and my parents were successful. Like we didn't really talk a lot about the bad stuff, um, and. Most people I, don't, by the way. Yeah. yeah, and and I just think if I I think I was afraid that I was gonna, you know, have them change their opinion of me or or lose my wife or you know if I admitted to her things when in reality they just would have helped me because they love me and um and think about all the things now that I have to be ashamed of that they know that I've done um that like you know it could have stopped maybe a long time ago so I just think it's so important for people to if they have you know, an addiction problem, a gambling problem, any type of problem, you know, don't be ashamed to talk about it. I mean, you know, it's, everybody's not going to understand, but like you, you can get help. And, and I got to say, when I got out of rehab, my, my leg, cause I, I took basically prescription Coke. I mean, Adderall was basically prescription Coke for 18 years. So my legs felt like tree trunks. Um, I, you know, I couldn't, I could barely move, um, when I, when I got out of rehab and luckily it took me a little bit, but I found a doctor that understood, you know, what, 
you know, my issues were and gave me, you know, medicine that's illegal and, and prescribed it to me and, and it isn't amphetamines that helps right. me every day. And that has been so crucial in my recovery as well. Well, listen, I hope uh, it's more than lip service. And obviously, you know, joining us means it's not. But you do need to share your story. You know, and it's like all the uh, compulsive gamblers we bring on this show week to week. The reason we do it is that your story will resonate for sure with a specific person or people that might come across it. Your story is very different than my story. Your story is very different than Dan's story. And my story is different than Dan's and and his and et cetera, et cetera. And that's why we do this show because my story might not reach a person who had a similar story to you, but yours will. So I would just encourage you to continue to share that story and know this. And I think this is important. Um, and Dan, I think you could testify to this as well. Yeah. It's okay that there are going to be people out there that never change their negative opinions of you. And so what? You know, there are enough people in the world and in your life that will respect your journey, will respect your newfound honesty and integrity, that you shouldn't be worried about the people that will never get over the mistakes you made. It's sad. It might Mm. suck at some level, but it's also okay. It's also okay. Craig, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You're so I, – I've listened to you, you know, every day pretty much, and, and I've listened to you with Boomer for, for all those years, and I listened to you on the Fantasy Network, which I thought was a great show, by the way. Um, you called the Rangers score the other day, 5-2. to two. I did. You still, you still are great at – you know, I, I hate to say it, like you're, you're great at calling games, and it's funny with gambling. I always felt like I was great at giving other people advice, but when I would actually place the bet, I'd lose. Um, right. And, and is it hard for you to know that you're – so good at that but you can't do it um not anymore because you're also a far better uh predictor of sporting events when you're not wagering money on them than when you are right yep. <laughs> i think that's just the reality <laughs> yep. of it but it's a fair question because listen i'm surrounded by gambling ads right i'm surrounded by you know people making picks on games do i have an opinion i always have an opinion for sure on the outcome of a game. So I try to, you know, give those predictions without referencing a point spread, a money line, a run line, that kind of stuff, and just tell you who I think is going to win a game with no acknowledgement that there's even a spread on the game. But again, I can't tell you why, and I wish I could, why I got to this place. You know, I don't know why. I don't know why I can be surrounded by it and not be triggered to go do it other than I finally got to a place where I'm just no longer willing to lose the people and things that are so important to me. And yeah. shame on me for not getting there a lot sooner than I did. But that's my reality. Yeah, exactly. and eventually, but eventually you got there, and that's the key. You know, and, and, and that journey is different for each of us. I wish we could have gotten where we were for myself sooner but then if I, if I did do that what would life look like today you know and so it, the journey is unique and, and sometimes we don't have the answers now sometimes they'll be years from now sometimes we might never get them uh so it is it, it, it a recovery is such an interesting animal but it also you get hungry for it it makes you want to wake up the next day and do it again i'll tell you and what it did i'll tell you what it did on. do for me though dan and and derek and i know we gotta we gotta wrap this up here in a second 
it made me a far more spiritual person. Yep. It made me believe far more in the concept of a higher power, in the concept yep. of maybe certain things happen for a reason. You meet yep. certain people for a certain reason. And I'm far more open-minded to that reality than I ever was. So I, I, yep. I'll own that for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Derek, listen, I really appreciate you coming on today. I'm proud of you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing your story. And uh, good luck with the music. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Craig. You can find my music on Base Corporation, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. And thank you so much. It, it was an honor. Okay. Danny, as always, uh, good talking to you. Epic Risk Management. And we'll get together and do this again next weekend. A reminder that it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it's okay not to be okay. Just let somebody know so you can get the help you need. Danny, thanks, bud. Hey, thanks, Craig. All right, Evan Roberts is next. And then Evan and I are back together, of course, Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.